Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue talking about Christmas. And tonight's message is going to be about the manger. So let me read to you out of Luke 2. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, these days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I, when I first got saved and I started reading the Bible, I was all confused reading the Christmas story out of the Bible, considering all the movies and cartoons and, and things and songs that we sing aren't real biblical. But what I've come to learn is that God's ways of doing things aren't our ways. And it's interesting you know, that the Bible is a history book. And you literally can go find Caesar Augustus and Quirinius, and you can find when they were ruling. And you can easily find this time frame in life and and that the census was actually took place. You know, so it's interesting to me that God would mark it at such a time. You know, in that Joseph and both Mary, if you you look and study it, you know, that they were both from the house of David. They were both the lineage of King David. You know, and although I I believe that it was only the men that needed to, to report, they would take their families with them. You know, and, you know, they're traveling out of, a, you know, a tiny city, you know, and traveling about 60 miles by donkey, you know, and Mary being pregnant, she probably rode the donkey the majority of the way, you know, and Joseph walked and, and led them, you know, and it's crazy to think, you know, that, you know, they walked in sandals, you know, across the the Middle East, you know, and, and through the, the mountains and through the, you know, the valley to grandmother's house they went. But, <clears throat> you know, it, it was a, a serious journey. It wasn't something that just, you know, hopped in the car and drove down the street, you know, and, and filled in your little 
your census packet or the people show up at your house and knock on your door and ask you, how many people live in your house? Be like, I don't know who you are. Go away. You know, they literally had to, to do this, you know, and a lot of times the Roman guards would be on the road and, and collect tax as they traveled, you know, and some were, you know, corrupt and they would take more and, and take advantage of the people that were passing through. But, you know, as they traveled this long journey and they get to this town because everybody was coming from all these different places, you know, it's not like there was a hotel on every corner. You know, everybody in their families would have been taking their relatives in and filling every household, you know, that they wouldn't have room. You know, that the inn was full of the same people that were traveling because of the census. You know, so as they get there, you know, there's no room in the inn. You know, in, in my picturing, in, in my remembrance of the stories, you know, the manger was the barn out back. But some believe that the manger was really the basement. And they kept their animals in, in their own household. You know, and it kept everything in their own, you know, area. So all the traveling people, there's no room in the inn, but I have room in the manger. So the inn would have had exponentially all these different people and all their different donkeys and things that they would have traveled. And then there would have been, you know, the sheeps and the cows and the goats and the chickens and whoever else would have been stuffed into the manger. You know, that... Because there was no room, and realizing that they've traveled a long way, you know, God opens the store for them to to have room in the manger. You know, and it's basically, you know, you're going out back to the barn. You know, we make up the nativity scene, and we have this cute little hut. You know, we got... Mary sitting there, she's bowing down, and we got Jesus in this cute little straw basket, and Joseph's bending over, and the wise men are there, even though they weren't even started to be there yet. And we have all the camels and the goats and the, and the angels hanging above, you know. You know, and we have the beautiful nativity scene, which still to this day messes with me because it's not biblical how it all took place. But, <clears throat> hey, let's mix it all together. But to think of it, really, you know, we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And why so many people miss Jesus is because we we want it to be a specific way. We think it should be this way or not that way, and it couldn't happen, possibly happen this way. But God arrives on the scene in a manger. It, It was messy. It was smelly. You know, the, the angels weren't, or the, the animals weren't on their best behavior and, and put on their religious faces as they knew God was in the corner. You know, they were taking care of business as normal. You know, it, there was dookie on the floor. It smelled like dirty animals. 
you know, I remember back in eighth grade and we were forced to watch in health class the birth of a child. And that's a messy experience. And I can't imagine that any woman would want to give birth on the, the, the floor of a barn. And I'm sure that it was a beautiful sight. See, God enters into our mess in the most unlikely of places. And so often we religiously try to compartmentalize Jesus and put this religious coating on it and that we try to package it and we try to package ourselves and we try to present ourselves as good Christians. When in reality... We're all messy. Some of our lives have some really stinky parts. Some of us have goats screwing in the corner. You know, and we, we try to present life other than it, what it really is that we try to hide the messiness. You know, granted, I, I don't think that we should just be parading our messiness around and, and, and there's a time and a place where we can be authentic and, and be messy and be safe. But I think that we have to realize that Jesus wants to come into the midst of our most messy, stinky situations and present himself in the most humblest of ways. Why we missed him, why the Jews missed him, why the prophets missed him, why the religious people of the day missed him is because they thought that Jesus was going to do it or show up the Messiah was going to happen and, and take charge in a way other than the way that he did. And so often we're expecting or praying or wanting Jesus to do what we want him to do. And he's secretly in the midst of our mess. And a lot of times we don't even recognize that he's there. You know, what, what gets me is that the humility of God, the vulnerability of God, there isn't any other way that you could come forth and be more vulnerable and be more humbled than showing up and, and being burst in a barn that you are completely defenseless. And yet most of us live our lives with our defense mechanisms on high. And we try to present ourselves in such a way that we're not messy. Now, GZM is, is trying and has... I hope and believe that it's created an area and an atmosphere and a, and a safe place for us to be messy. You know, 
but in the larger aspects of Christendom, that we present ourselves in ways that we're not. And we, we try to hold on to our pride and we, we don't like to, to expose the ugly areas. Now, once again, I believe that there's a time and a place and there's certain people that should be a part of our mess that we shouldn't just be leaking and, and be messy everywhere. But something that, that God called me to many, many years ago is this radical transparency. And it's uncomfortable at first until you get used to it and then you don't know how to live any other way. That the messy areas of my life become God's testimony of how he uses a broken person who's messy and still achieves his will. You know, apart from God in my life, there's no way that I would be able to continue to do what I do. You know, and as a young man, I would never imagine sharing the things from the pulpit or with even people in general in secret, the things that I indulge on the regular. And I think that the more we get comfortable letting Jesus into our mess, the easier it is for us to share our messes with other people who are also messy. Now, I've watched how God, when I take a step in an area, he opens up a door or an opportunity or a person comes across my path for me to share how Jesus is in my mess. And it helps them to work through or take a step towards healing of their mess. Now, I've been doing this a long time now. You know, and we get stigmatized as just specifically an addiction group. But honestly, as I've shared my testimony of using drugs and shared my testimony of being molested, I honestly believe that I've helped way more people take step of healing of their sexual abuse in their lives than I have ever helped people get sober. You know, and it's being willing to share my messiness. You know, there was once upon a time, I mean, I got molested from the time that I was six to the time that I was nine. And I honestly didn't tell another person until I was in my mid-20s when I was in a mental health counseling and the lady asked me, what are the things that you don't like to talk about? And this thing was, you know, going off like a buzzer in my head. And I knew I needed to start talking about it. And then through that process, I realized that it wasn't my fault. Because I I took upon a lot of shame. And what I've come to learn is that person was sick and took advantage of a young person. But it wasn't until I came to Jesus that I was really able to forgive him. Now I was able to release him because he was sick, but I still wanted him to suffer 
the vengeance of Tom. So we wasted a lot of time in my head as I would think about the things that I wished, the ways that he would suffer. It wasn't until Jesus entered into my mess that I finally was able to let go and release and forgive someone. Now, I have never been in the same room with him and probably never will be. But I don't think about him very often. I don't carry anything that's heavy. I I don't wish ill will to him. He's in God's hands now, and and one day he'll have to, to reckon with him. And I hope one day that he truly repents and changes and finds Jesus. I can't imagine that hell would be a a beautiful place to be. And there was once a time in my life where I wished the worst upon him. Jesus coming into our lives is is a powerful thing that he he steps into our mess and, and helps us to start to to make sense of it all. But I I believe that some of the greatest things that he gives us is his grace to give to others. Every one of us has a story. Every one of us has things that we've been through. Every one of us has a right to be angry at someone. But in reality the person that suffers the most when you carry that angst towards someone is you. Now, I'm so grateful that God forgave me before I ever changed because if it was about changing first, I never would have made it. Now, I believe that God's moving through us is how grace begins to flow towards people that don't deserve it. Because I didn't deserve it. It was a gift from God. As Jesus revealed himself to me. You know, as we challenge ourselves and say, am I going to continue to hang on to this mess even though I have Jesus in my corner? Or am I going to say enough is enough and begin to ask Jesus to give me the strength to let go of areas that I still want vengeance. You know, and it's hard because I know for me there was times in my life that I would say that I was never going to forgive certain people and they didn't deserve forgiveness. But I also remember struggling with bitterness and anger and depression And I don't know what these other people's lives look like because I haven't seen them since I was young, but I would imagine that my life was pretty chaotic. And and I remember coming to the edge of reality and, and wanting to step off. I remember wanting to die. I remember thinking about suicide. I remember wishing that, you know, this next drink was going to be my last one. I, I remember passing out with alcohol, waking up in the morning, wishing that I didn't wake up. And I also remember Jesus coming into my life and revealing himself to me in such a way that opened my eyes to to believe that he was real 
And he began to show me his grace. And I wasn't a very good man at that point. And it started me on my process of investigating who Jesus really is. See, the struggle with religion is that a lot of it's not biblical. Now, we take the Christmas story, and most of us have a remembrance of it from Christmas songs and Christmas movies and and different stories. But when you really dive into the Bible, the time frames don't match up. Now, we can stick to what we think is real in our religious mindsets, or we can allow the Bible to reveal what is true. Some of us have a remembrance of the way religion taught us how things were supposed to be. All of us know the stories of Easter and Christmas and Moses and Jonah. All the good Bible stories when we were in kids' church. Some of us more than others. Or we can begin to develop a biblical outlook on who Jesus is and allow him to show us what reality and truth really is through the lens of his word. And I remember reading through the Bible the very first time and was blown away by the words of Jesus. So much so that I took my Bible to church, as a good Christian does. And I took it to Pastor Mike and I said, do Christians actually read this thing? Because I've never met any Christians that live this way. And he laughed at me. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. And I remember not wanting to be a hypocrite, telling Jesus that I want to live the way you are asking me to live. Now, the funny thing about hypocrites is that we find them everywhere else except in the mirror. And the biggest hypocrite we know usually is the one that we see in the mirror. But still, I believe that we can be authentic when we let Jesus into our mess. Now, my hope for this Christmas is that we we really get a present in understanding his presence. Because he wants to move in each and every one of our lives. He wants to come into our messy mangers and reveal himself anew and give birth to something new in our lives. I think that that's truly the Christmas story is that there was no other way and yet Jesus made a way. When every other door was shut, God still managed to come through. When people in our lives reject us, when doors get shut down on us, yet Jesus is still there. 
when our messiness feels like it can't go anywhere but worse, Jesus is still there. When things feel completely impossible, Jesus is still there. I really hope that in this season that doesn't feel real Christmassy, You know, we're staying in the absolute middle of nowhere and more and more as we drive in some of these roads, some of the houses are getting lit up. You know, in some of the towns, you know, those small towns hang stuff off every pole. It's kind of neat to see. I remember growing up in a little town that hung everything off the pole and coming back to this town, it doesn't feel like Christmas. But I have to allow Christmas to take root in my heart. Am I going to let Jesus be born and take me in the direction that he wants to take me? Or am I going to continue to try to pretend? I think Jesus wants to come into our mess in a a new level, in a new way. But will you allow him into your manger? Will you let him wrap you in swaddling clothes? And it was a way that they wrapped a baby that it it felt close, that it was still too close to its mother. Would we allow Jesus' presence to come and wrap us in a way that we would feel close to him? I think a lot of times we keep Jesus at arm's length because we don't want him into our mess. Because if he gets in there and messes with things, it's going to get uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but when I don't do things the way God wants me to do, it's not very comfortable. And I've come to learn that him being in my mess and him meddling with things and making me uncomfortable is far greater than me trying to do things my way and being uncomfortable. Because that's almost a pain that's unbearable. This Christmas season, we have to choose that we can change by surrendering or we can continue to go forth and doing things our own way. I believe that we can allow Jesus to come alive inside of us anew, afresh. Or we can continue to go along and pretending that it's not that bad. But yet we're dying inside. I don't know what this new year is going to bring. I saw a meme earlier about 2021 is going to be able to drink, so it's about to get real bad. (laughs) 20s turning 21. It's going to get messy. 
I think January is going to start us off with a bang as we figure out who's actually going to be our president. And it's going to go downhill from there, either which way you look at it. I think what we have to decide is that are we going to trust Jesus in this season? Are we going to walk forth representing him to the best of our ability and our messiness? Or are we going to continue to try to do things our own way and wish that things were different? I think the manger sets a, a beautiful picture of God wanting to move in our life in a very unexpected way, but yet the birth of Jesus into our messes and how that story gets told over and over again. That if we allow Jesus to be born in our messes, that it could be a testimony that might change our lives, it might change someone else's. We would never know until we let him move. Would you just bow your heads in me? Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for this Christmas season, Lord, where we are worshiping you and we're acknowledging you and we're trying to focus on you and what that really means to us personally. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us take a step with you and, and figure out who you really are and, and how inviting you into our messiness could change us forever. Lord, none of us are ever going to be perfect, Lord. And, but I pray that you would help us to be willing to, to go on the, the journey with you and believe that you have something in store for us that goes beyond our understanding. Lord, I pray that you would move into the, the hurt, into the pain, into the areas of trauma, any depression, any anxiety, any addictions, and that you would break us free in a way that only you can that your Christmas gift to us this year would be the presence of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives in, in such a way that we're changed forever. But Lord, I pray that each one of us would take that, that stand that and press into you and believe that following you is the greatest gift. Lord, I pray for our families. That I pray for our GZM family, wherever they are this evening, Lord, whether they're struggling or, or just working. Lord, I pray that you would come alive in their lives. Lord, I, I pray that we would represent you well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.